What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Knicks fans, how you doing? It's your boy Jonathan Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast, which I am hosting um, from my kitchen as I watch my daughter in the backyard um, cut grass with a small pair of children's scissors. Spencer Perlman, my guest today, um, does not have any children, but you will one day, Spencer. And um, are you, will you? Let your child into the backyard with a small pair of scissors to cut grass. That sounds like a really nasty punishment. So I'm going to file that away, and you know we'll see. This is her her desire. She this is she wants this life. Um, <laughs> well, more more power to her. I I, I think that's going to be something I can use though as a punishment because if my kid is anything like me, then he will have no interest in doing any chores whatsoever. See, right there, you assume you're going to have a boy, which of course means you're going to have a girl. Don't put no. I mean, look, I would love to have a girl, but I need a son who can also live out my dream. So a boy and a girl, I'd be the happiest man ever. I mean, a girl, I'd be the happiest man ever also. But you know. <laughs> I was about to say, you really you have a shovel in both hands uh, with the, with these comments here. Um, you'll be yeah. fine. Um, I <laughs> so, yes, um, the guest uh, today is Spencer Perlman, who uh, I talk to all the time, but I notice we have not talked for this podcast since. Um, according to Skype, uh, March nineteenth, which is uh, a while, considering there's no basketball, I'm I'm surprised we've gone this long without talking because I f- I feel like if this has been I don't know I'm curious how you feel because to me this whole thing has been the perfect recipe for overthinking something which I don't know if it's a good idea to overthink the draft. Um, What's your what's your take generally on like how this whole thing is playing out in terms of like takes and analysis and like all that stuff? On draft Twitter, I think it's gotten kind of rough, maybe. Uh like some of the things I've seen, it it's been there have been some interesting uh takes, and many of them actually surround Tyrese Halliburton. Okay. Um but yeah, I mean with the NBA, like I figured kind of with the NBA teams, it doesn't really matter because they're still like knee deep in draft prep. They would have been anyway. So, you know, if the draft gets pushed, then yeah, like I can totally see, you know, maybe there won't be an in-person workout against the chair, but potentially like a zoom workout against the chair. And then you'll have someone go from like 30 to 15 and God, God bless God, you know, God bless that team. And I wish them the best. Um, well, do I take it that you are not one for chair workouts, uh, in terms of changing your opinion on guys? Uh, yeah, (laughs) that's a good call. (laughs) This is why I want you to work for the Knicks. Um, okay. So a little backstory. I, I texted Spencer, I don't know, last week or something. Um, and I said, I wanted to do a podcast about Obi Toppin. Because he was quickly becoming my, um, like every year there's a guy that like, oh my God, I hope the Knicks don't take this guy. And this year I could sense it was turning into Obi. So I wanted to do kind of a deep dive on him, um, specifically in the context of how he would be on the Knicks. And then I, um, John Hollinger put out an article uh, yesterday on The Athletic in which he went through some guys. And that, I think that's some good fodder and... There was a Cole Anthony bit of news this week. So we have a couple different things actually to get to. Um, but let's start with 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 Toppin. So, oh, actually, before we even get there, we should note for everybody, um, the league officially um, pushed back. What was the deadline? The early 
the deadline by which early entry people had to pull out, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I think it would have been June third or something like yes, that. Yeah, June third. Yeah, it's been pushed back indefinitely. I'm actually wondering why. Why haven't they just officially pushed back the draft yet? I mean, it's. I I guess if they decide to cancel the season in the next six weeks, they could still. And like they like, and they decide to do that because they're like, we're not getting a season, and we might as well just keep next season on schedule. So let's just keep the draft when it is. I guess they could do that, right? But I yeah, don't know. it's it, yeah. I mean, I don't think. I think like just from like a pure comedy perspective, just like six weeks from now, if they're like, yeah, we're pushing it back, and then they push it back and then you have another month and have a draft coverage. I feel like at that point there'd be definitely diminishing returns, but Oh yeah. I don't know. I mean, as far as, as far as like the stuff that I've heard has been basically like the regular season is pretty much like done. Like there's a tiny, tiny chance that happens. And then there's a small chance even the playoffs happen. So I assume like, unless if something happens with, with potentially doing like in-person workouts, which would mean that, you know, there would have to be some, it'd be not even like a breakthrough, but there would be, something would have to happen with like COVID that would make the draftee and then the team both comfortable with taking, you know, some sort of chance. Um, Unless that happens, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if in like four weeks of silver's like, Hey, you know, the regular season's done. And because we really don't want to put anyone's life at risk and, you know, we don't feel right taking tests from the public, then we're going to, cancel the season but the draft will go on as scheduled and you know they'll go from there and like i think maybe this is completely me spitballing i think it would be kind of cool if they end up having a summer league but what would have been the bubble for the playoffs in espn if they actually ah, kind of did that for the summer league that would be, because, be interesting but yeah like at that point i mean who knows but hopefully um you know it, it, the what's it called like the COVID cases would start to go down a little bit because people would actually be listening to social distancing by that point instead of reopening every state and going batshit crazy. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I mean, like, who knows what's going to happen in Florida? But if they can just like make sure that everyone stays in there, I think that'd be kind of a cool idea to just make sure that there's no six month low without basketball. Yeah, no, it it, it would. Um, I got as you. I haven't allowed myself to to think about the fact that they may actually just cancel the season. I just I can't fathom them. I I can't fathom yeah. them doing that. Um, not the regular season. I mean, like ending the like yeah, not crowning whole, a champion. Um, yeah. just for all kinds of reasons. But then, like you know, how, does that put more of a premium on players who will be drafted next year that could like because like if the if the cap goes down by like 10 or 15 or 20 million dollars for next season like how much more of a premium is there on like a 3 and D guy like who could step right in and you know be serviceable and cost like 3.5 million dollars next season um like I'm thinking of like um like a guy like Devin Vassell or something um yeah I don't I don't um I don't know um all right well let's let's get started so um we can actually use the Hollinger piece to kind of get into our discussion on Toppin because, uh, and we'll reference it a few more times, but basically he, um, so John Hollinger used to work for the Grizzlies and now is writing for the athletic, um, wrote a draft preview piece in which he, um, basically goes through his top 20 players and then three sleepers. Um, one of which of course is your boy, uh, Mr. Bain. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure you're excited <laughs> about that. Um, Sorry. <laughs> but he kind of, and I don't know what your thought is. My 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 take on the piece is basically that he has five guys who are that I think he would categorize as like in a draft where nobody is safe. Like these guys are kind of safe, but also offer some modicum of upside. Um, before we get to who they are, would you say that's more or less a fair representation of what he, how he characterizes them? Yeah, I think there might have actually been like seven of them. So no, but I'm I'm actually holding off on those last two because I felt like so. Let's just talk about the players he ranks. So he ranks um, Ball one, Anthony Edwards two, Killian Hayes three, 
um, Okongwu four and Obi Top in five. And then he has Halliburton six and Devin Vassell seven. My take on how he, how he characterized Halliburton and Vassell is more like these guys are also safe, but I got, Oh the, yeah, yeah. I, I missed the second part. Yeah. But the their outside. ceiling is not of yeah. like if, if the other guys like really, really hit. And then of course he has James Wiseman is at eight who uh, there's the ceiling there, but I think he characterized like he puts him the floor lower. And then we, it's funny because then for the rest of it, it we, we keep vacillating between like high ceiling, but re- like lower and lower and lower possibility that they hit it but then the floor like gets lower versus like safety first but like what you're getting with that safety is not as enticing with say the safety of taking like one of the guys towards the top of the draft yeah that's why i found the piece actually interesting for as much as we may disagree with some of the um individual observations but um in any case so i i don't think we need to talk about any of the first four guys because like my read on the news this week that the Knicks were doing their homework on Cole Anthony, to me, and I'm curious of your take on this, is basically like, if they're in a position to draft Ball or Hayes, it, like meaning if they're in the top four of the draft, like they're going to draft like Ball or Hayes, maybe Edwards. And and the homework on Anthony uh, or Cole Anthony story that came out this week, to me is like, that's if we get the pick that we're supposed to get. And this is not inside info. This is just me assuming. And like we have to draft seventh or eighth or ninth. And he's the best. Him or Halliburton are the best point guards. That's how I read it. Would you? Is that? Do you think that's me? Is unfair of me? No, I think that's fine. And then like I, that's kind of how I took it. And then also, to me, if if you're in the lottery, you should be doing your homework on everybody. Oh, of course. So. You know, like saying that the Knicks are doing their homework on someone who is projected to go in the lottery is like, oh, okay, so they're doing their job. <laughs> yes. And, and th- thank you. I should have started with that, but um, thank you for stating the obvious. So, um, Hollinger has ball one, Anthony Edwards two, uh, Killian Hayes three. I have to think if the Knicks had the first, second, or third pick in the draft, like they would go with one of those three guys. I don't think we need to get into which guy because the odds of them moving up are not. Like we don't even know what that's going to be yet. Four, he has Okongwu. We've talked about Okongwu. You like Okongwu. I like Okongwu. It's just a matter of like, do you want to draft a guy who is a currently positionally blocked by Julius Randle if you're considering him a power forward, and B is currently blocked by Mitchell Robinson if you're considering him a center and like doesn't have the shot yet to play alongside Mitch, but like. I don't know. Do we really need? Is there anything we need to say on a Congo? I feel like we know what a Congo is, and like we know what he's going to be. The only thing I would like to say is that I pretty much don't see any instance in which he's playing like the four. Really? Uh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, like, Why? I don't. I mean, he's quick, but he's not quick. I guess for the modern four, and that. Like, I don't want him chasing around, you know, Davis Bertans or, you know, sm- uh, like Paul George and he plays the four and whoever else, you know, like the, the mobile fours. Like, I just wouldn't really feel comfortable doing that. But if you're playing him as the quote unquote four on offense and that he's, you know, playmaking a little bit out of the pick and roll and you have, you know, someone like Olinick, which is what the Heat do with Bam. I was about playing to say, next yeah. With the five. Yeah, like that's fine with me. And then... Yeah, but that's not Mitch. Mitch, you don't want Mitch running around chasing folks either. Yeah. So, like, you you have those two blocking each other. And then I also don't think he's going to be shooting anytime soon because the form is just kind of like a little bit weird. Like, I I don't know what promise promise is a shooter he's talking about. Okay. Um, But I mean, to each his own. (laughs) I I, look, I I have not watched a whole lot of Okongwu because, again, I just. There's other guys I'd, I'd rather invest my time in who I think are more likely um, picks for the Knicks. Um, listen, to your point, if for some reason the Knicks got the fourth pick, I don't think they would draft the Congo, and I think they would look long and hard at the guy that I want to talk about next, which is Toppin. Um, boy, okay, where do we even get started? So I, I watched the whole game uh, of Hobie Toppin and then some other clips of games. Um I, to me, I th- I think there's a world where Obi Toppin is a really, really successful NBA player. 
And I think that world is on the other, or let me rephrase that, that city, let's say, that city is on the other side of the of the globe from where the Knicks currently reside. (laughs) How do you you feel about him? And let's start with that. How would you view on his his fit with the Knicks as they are currently constructed? Let's start there. Uh, In terms of just like, so from an offensive standpoint, I think you really assuming the shot progresses as it should or that people think it will, I don't really think you can find someone who's a better fit at the four next to Mitch than Toppin, just because in theory he can potentially be a pick and pop big in addition to a pick and roll big. So, you know, for the people who think Mitch can shoot, I personally don't, if you can space, you know, you can get the vertical spacing and the horizontal spacing. Um, yeah. Um, well, hold on. Then, I want to yeah. I want to stop you right there because I think this is an important point. I feel like there's shooting fours like a guy you just mentioned, Bertans, who mm-hmm. live like they they They're they shooters. they will never he will never step foot into the paint unless he's crossing the court for mm-hmm. like on a cut or something. Um, and then there's guys like Toppin who, again, the shot if it progresses it will be there. But see, he strikes me as someone he wants to live on the block. Mm-hmm. And doesn't that create issues? I'm not even talking about who the other players on the floor. Let, uh, let's assume, fine. Let's assume the Knicks get shooting at the one, the two, or the three. But they currently really don't. But put that aside. Let's assume they do. Isn't that still not ideal if you have a five like Mitch, who I agree with you, is going to li- continue to want to live in the dunker spot? And you have Toppin, who in his perfect world also wants to live in the dunker spot. Isn't that somewhat of an issue? Yeah, I guess I'm just thinking, you know, if he hits because he'll have the shooting. And then as you run, you know, one, four, whatever, two, four pick and rolls with him because of his passing ability, he'll be able to hit Mitch in the dunker spot or he could take it himself to the hole. So it's not about like dumping it down. It's, it's about using him as a spot up shooter when you're running the pick and roll with Mitch. Um, and you know, w- w- when you're running the pick and roll with Obi, then you're keeping Mitch in the dunker spot. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Obi will not be playing in the post really because I mean, he had, he has major issues. He had major issues backing down guys in college because his center of gravity and his lower body strength is pretty much well, his center of gravity is high and his lower body strength is pretty non-existent. Um, he is a toothpick so, down low. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's uncanny seen, watching him. Like yeah. it's not pretty. And he tried to, like the games I watched, it seems like he was trying to post up a lot and it just, it did look pretty to me. And I was like, am I watching the right guy that everybody's talking about? Like, you know, I, but I don't, you know. Yeah. I mean, and then on top of that, his, his left hand's not great. Um, but I guess those two fitting, I mean, you know, it's entirely banking on him being enough of a shooter. And they're, they're my dogs. Um, <laughs> where, being enough of a sh- where are my dogs like, at? They're right here. <laughs> um, being enough of a shooter to be the threat. So you can't sink off of him and, you know, clog the paint. Yeah. I mean, we were texting and you, you said like he makes some really nice passes out of the double team. But that's different than being a playmaking four, obviously. So, so I, yeah, I mean, if you put him in Draymond's role, like specifically Draymond's role, I think he can do very, very well. Cause I do think he is someone who can pass on the short roll very well. And then I agree. I've seen, I've seen some like beautiful passes when he's gotten the ball in the post. You know, he spun baseline. He, you know, one handed, uh, baseball pass, you know, to the lift or something like that. So he, he's a very good passer. It's just, like when he gets the ball in the post, I guess you're not really playing him with a double. Like he would take advantage of in college. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I agree with that. I, yeah, I just, I don't know. And like, I, look, the age thing is it's there. So, um, on the, on the age thing. Yeah, please. He's a 22 year old sophomore. Okay. So to put that into perspective, a, he's five months younger than someone who he's compared to in John Collins. B, he's five same months age. five months older. You mean five months younger? He's five months younger. How old is John? I, wait, oh, um, but John, John Collins has been in the league for what two or three years? Three years. 
three years. Yeah. And he's only five. So, okay. I get what you're saying. Yeah. And then he's also the same age that many people are when they start grad school and he's only a sophomore. So he is physically more developed than everybody else. And he's still not really using the physicality or, I mean, he doesn't have it. Um, he does a nice job. Well, that's not true. He does a nice job being physical in terms of getting interior position um, and keeping guys in front of him so there's an easy pass over the top. But he's not strong enough to back guys down, which makes me think that he'll also really never be strong enough to do that. Um, I feel like it's coming off that I'm high on Obi and I'm not. No, I... I'm like, here's where I'm at. Like, I, again, I think there's a team, like a real, a really good offensive team. Like I was talking to someone before, like I could see if he got, I mean, you just talked about Draymond. I could see if he got drafted by the Warriors, them mm-hmm. figuring out how to use him really effectively. Yeah, um, yeah. You, you would have him spacing when he's not running the pick and roll. And when he is running the pick and roll, he has Steph and Clay, and, you know, Pascal shot well from three, I think this year. Um, I'm not really playing Draymond as a three point shooter, but he can hit them. So, and and like I feel like a team like that could take it take more advantage of his verticality. Um, I can't believe I just said the word verticality. Um, shoot me. Um, but no, you know what I mean. It's like to me the whole the whole allure of Toppin is he's a guy that can is a really good lob threat and and is like that's definitely there and there is the prospect of him shooting threes but like again on the like not on the right team like that it's you're it's going to be the downside of both of those things not like the the, like you know it's it's just just, and the knicks are not that i just i'm i'm trying to imagine a scenario now like if he's still if they draft it like eighth and he's still there. Does that become a more interesting conversation? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I like. I don't know. I guess at a certain point, you just kind of you draft someone who you know what you're going to get, and you are like you will get points and you know some rebounds and some passing, good passing from Obi. But when I'm drafting, like I'm looking for guys who can make a big impact on one way if not both ways and i kind of think that while he can make an impact on offense the defense will be so bad that it just negates everything and every time i talk about obi um the next sentence is usually you know look at cat because he had <laughs> one of the most like historically efficient like unbelievable pass uh, overall seasons for a big offensive seasons for a big in NBA history. Yes. Like 27 on like 50, whatever percent, 41% from three, like four assists, just crazy. Legendary. Um, yeah. And like he, he was still in, he was still a positive impacts player on the floor, but instead of him being, you know, say on the scale of zero to 10, instead of him being what should have been, you know, a, above a five, let's say five is like average. And then below that's below instead of being, Instead of being like an eight, he was probably just about, you know, a six or six and a half because the defense just kind of sunk him. So if you don't have someone who can get to cast level on offense, but if he's equally bad, if not worse on defense, you're getting closer and closer to the five and probably even below that. And and that's the thing that and that was when I watched that game, I texted you about Toppin's defense. He's he's an atrocity on defense. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's uh, really, it's, I mean, I, and I keep reading like, oh, I th- people are writing like the defensive concerns are, are overstated. And like, I, I'm, I guess I'm like confused as to why people are saying that. Maybe, I mean, look, they've watched maybe more games than me, but I don't know. It looks bad. I mean, the, the people who are saying that I think are just kind of wrong because first of all, he's not a shot blocker. So even as a big if you can't block shots, you know, whatever. But the, let me start again. He's not a shot blocker. Shot blocking is not defense, and he can't even do that. <laughs> On top of that, he does not rotate in the paint well. There's another notch against him. And then if you get him in space, he moves so slowly. Like, I think it was Max Carlin on Twitter who said, um, what he, he's like, 
uh, Toppin moves like a 70 year old, you know, grandparent <laughs> with hip problems. And it's true. Like for it's, someone as, it's for someone not as athletic, off. for someone as athletic as he is vertically, he is horizontally challenged, you know, moving and like, you can just cook him in space. And it's not only like the one twos and the threes I'm saying like fours also. And then if even some fives, like, like, you know, if you get the ball, say like Tristan Thompson, you know, 17, 18 feet away. And if Toppin for some reason gets a little bit, even looks like a hair too close, Thompson can a probably get the step on him because he's just going to maybe be a little bit quicker. That's how slow Toppin is. And on top of that, if he is there right next to him, He'll be bumped off a spot, which, you know, goes back to the high center of gravity and the lack of strength. So he's completely screwed, I think, on defense. Unless if he has, like, I don't know, who is the coach of the Bobcats at Al Jefferson and they made that defense? <laughs> oh, wow. Good call. I think that, were they the Hornets already? No, I think they were still the Bobcats. Um, no, that's a good call. Okay. We, we've accomplished the primary purpose of this podcast, which is to solidify my opinion that in no universe should the Knicks draft Obi Toppin. This was good. We've, we have checked, we have checked a box and that's if we're, we're, I, hold on. <laughs> what? I, I, th- I think there is a universe. I just don't, I just, if you're expecting an impact player, yeah, but then that, I wouldn't do it. No, but that's why there's no universe because they, like, they're deficient in so many areas right now. They're deficient in playmaking. They're deficient in shooting. They're deficient specifically in shooting from the point guard position. And, like, not to mention deficient in, in serviceable defenders that, like, on the Knicks, there's no moves the Knicks could make. This year, which are going to like Toppin's not, it's going to, he's just going to look really bad. It's going to be a really negative rookie season. And I guess if you're telling me like, all right, you're playing it for two, three, four years down the line, but that gets back to the issue of kids already 22 years old. And this is what he is. Like, I, I just, I don't, I guess it comes from like the saving face where if you, if you're a front office, you can always just say we drafted someone who puts up, you know, 18 and six and that's that or 18 and seven and two. Exactly. Or three or exactly. And sure, there is a world where they could shoehorn 15 to 18 points a game out of him next year. Probably. I get, I mean, this world would include Julius Randall being on another team, but like, could they do it? Yeah, I guess. But man, um, just cause I could walk around on my hands. It doesn't mean it's a good idea um, to, to borrow a Chris Rock line. I think that was Chris Rock. Um, all right, let's let's continue because I I think this is where it gets interesting. So again, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like in a normal draft, bef- like you get later on in the first round before you have to make the decisions about like, do I want to take this upside guy or do I want to take this safe pick? At least in terms of guys with like real upside. Like I feel like in a lot of drafts. There are like, you know, most of the lottery is like has considerable upside. Maybe not every draft, but I'm thinking like some drafts in this draft. I just like, where's the where's the considerable upside for you personally? And let, let's keep Wiseman aside because, again, I don't even think we need to talk about Wiseman because I he didn't, the Knicks draft Wiseman, they're fucking idiots. Where's the – Where's the, I'm sorry, but they are. Where's the ups – I mean, is it like maybe Okoro learns to be a shooter? Uh, where's the upside for you after five? Um, I mean, on, on Hollinger's list? Or- yeah, or just like – so we named five guys, and again, we're keeping Wiseman out of it. So we named six guys. Like, where's the – Where's the big time upside play? And I'm curious if you're going to go where I think you're going to go. But yeah, where's the big time upside play? Yeah, I mean, Poku. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I well, think listen, Hollinger has him 13. I think that's too low. Um, I think that's way too low. I know Schwinn has him fourth right now on his board, which. So let's talk um, about Poku because I don't think we've actually done a deep dive or even not even a deep dive. I don't think we've put our toe in the water. On um, Alex, Alexei, Alexei, Alexei. I mean, I've, I don't know. I've always said Alexei Poku, Pokusevsky. Pokusevsky. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. we did mention him because I remember we had the Poku conversation. Yeah. Um, I remember everybody, if you're a Poku fan, you're a Pokumon. <laughs> oh. 
get that out there. Listen, I'm going to let the listeners of this podcast choose whether they want to be a Poku. Do they? Is that a? Is are they? Do you have to, are you Jamaican? If you're a Poku man. Uh, no, 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 it's like po- Pokemon. You're a Pokemon master. Yeah, but Mon, like a man, Mon, like should, should I have a red stripe in my hand if I'm if I'm watching Poku tape, which I did, um, and it was funny because he's playing in high school gyms in Greece, and that is not an overstatement, um, and that's actually really generous calling that a high school gym because most high school gyms have, you know, bleachers or places for people to sit. Uh, it wasn't the best. Uh- wasn't the best places. They weren't the best places where they're where it's fine. So so Poco is a good I think is a good um companion conversation to the top in combo because well why don't you describe Poku for anybody who maybe may not be familiar. Okay, so he's six eleven, um maybe two hundred pounds. He's very thin, which uh, obviously off the bat's not a good thing, but then you kind of look at his body a little bit more and he's not Halliburton thin. Um, he, his calves are actually pretty, they're not like big, big, but he's got, you know, pretty strong calves for someone his weight, which makes me think he can actually probably get up to about 220, maybe 230 pounds as he eventually fills out because he's still 18 and a half or nine, nine. He's turned youngest, youngest player in the draft. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah doesn't he turn 19 in, in like December or something? Yes. Yeah. Turns yeah. 19 in December. Okay. Um, yeah, so he's six eleven. He's a he's a good interior defender for someone his size. Like he's smart. He knows how to use his length. Um, he moves not well on the perimeter. I think laterally, but he moves pretty well. Um, way 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 better than Toppin. Um, maybe like a little bit above average or so for a power forward, which it's fine. Um, again, he's still very young. He's still growing into his body. And we've seen Killian Hayes go from someone who's not quick laterally or pretty explosive, uh, in a straight line to becoming a solid athlete this year. So I think there's definitely room for him to, uh, improve there. Could, now, could we talk of, about how he moves with the ball? Because yeah, so th- that's, yeah, that's um, insane. Yeah. So he's six eleven. The way I kind of describe the way he moves is he's six eleven. He's really six foot six or six foot seven with just a really long head and a long neck. Because <laughs> exactly true. like he moves around screen someone who's who's a wing and not even like, you know, a bulky wing. He moves around like he's clay or you know wh- whoever. Like you like he Joe Harris, like I actually think he actually moves a little bit better than Joe Harris. Um he's a legitimate, you know, movement shooter. And it's weird because you don't really see many guys with the ability to run hard off, you know, floppy in the baseline, come off the, the pin down or whatever, and then catch and shoot at the top of the key. They usually take, you know, slow down a little bit as they're coming up. They need to get their feet set. He's coming up ready to shoot the same way Bertans is. And he's bigger. And then on top of that, if you chase him off the line, he's really skilled dribbling the ball and passing the ball to where it's not just a straight line. You no, know, uh, straight line driver into the paint. He can avoid guys going left and right. And he's a really good passer. Like he is a really, really good passer. So in terms of offense, oh, wait, you didn't yeah, even, like, you didn't even talk about the shot. The shot's fucking yeah, gorgeous. I mean, yeah. It's a beautiful looking shot and the percentages aren't great. I think actually a big reason for that is because of how much they used him as a movement shooter and because he was coming off an injury. So I think it's both of those combined. Oh, I didn't realize um, that. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, two years down the line, I think it's very possible he ends up as, you know, the guy who gets selected in the later lottery. And people are like, how the hell did this guy not go? You know, maybe not one, but, you know, two, three or four. And it's going to be because he played in the Greek second league, which I understand or second division, whatever, understands like, like, it's like a notch against him. But on the flip side, first of all, Giannis played there. Second of all, skill is skill. Skill and IQ translate. Obviously, if the body doesn't develop, then, you know, the skills don't translate as well. But there's, I don't think he's some mystery man who's going to bust. I think worst case scenario, he's a legitimate floor spacer who can pass. And those are guys who, who, who you know, they're rotation guys at worst. At worst. Um, yeah, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I love Poco. I think no, I, I, I'm just like, I you. Awesome. but you've also just 
verbalize and I, I listen at some point I'm going to stop mentioning this I promise but I, I I have to again you've just verbalized why and look maybe this is I should even say maybe this is me being unfair but like what scares me about the Knicks maybe not how could I put this politely not being more adventurous with their potentially not being more adventurous with this pick. And I hope I'm wrong. You know what? Let me just say that. I hope I'm wrong, but boy, the, the balls that it would take to take, I mean, could you imagine if they got the eighth pick and like Cole Anthony was sitting there? Right. And you know, like they, but if you legitimately think this guy could be something, I'm not, I'm not saying it's the right move, but like, I don't know. Would they so, do that? I mean, I don't. I don't know if they would. I. I hope they would. I mean, you know, look at Perry's draft record. Um, I mean, you know, when he was in Detroit, he didn't want Darko. He wanted Melo. I think that's kind of been out there. But he drafted Oladipo, and Oladipo wasn't some, you know, NBA ready two-way player. He was a good defender who had some athleticism on offense and, you know, he's pretty strong. He's yeah. slashing. Um, you know, who's who, who someone who had to develop. So took a bit of a chance on Hazonia. Yeah. I mean, Hazonia failed not because of skill. Like apparently his attitude is crap. Um, but you know, that's been, that's been well-documented too. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I just think if there's any draft where you can you can make the argument easily as to why you're taking the mystery man, it's because the draft is really flat after, you know, the top three picks or two picks, depending on who you want to include there. And like aside from it being flat in terms of talent, you had this random blip that the blip, you know, the high ceiling belongs in that first tier. Yeah. So the ceiling is just like, yeah, like it's there. And I think you just kind of have to take it because the Knicks need someone who can, who they can develop and actually build a franchise around. Cause you know, RJ, maybe he's a cornerstone. I don't really think he's that guy and Poku might not be that guy either, but I like talent and skill are just, like, well, you need that. So that's so that's the the, the it's like you're a podcast host over here. Perfect transition to what I wanted to talk about next, and this kind of relates to Cole Anthony, and it kind of doesn't. But like, so you have guys like so we've mentioned some of them already. You have guys like um, Devin Vassell, right? Um, who seems to be climbing up draft boards a lot. Halliburton has him here. I'm pretty sure Kevin O'Connor has him um, fairly high up on his board. Um, as like, again, we know what he's going to be. Um, Okoru, maybe there's a little bit of an offensive ceiling there, but like, again, we know what he's going to be. Um, and the the odds are the most of that value is going to be on defense. Um, uh, Aaron, how do you pronounce his name? Is it Nesmith? Nesmith? Nesmith. I I always said Nesmith. I mean, Nesmith. no, I, I literally have no idea. I'm going to go with awesome, Neesmith so. because you are the draft guy and I am not. Um, but Crap. again, <laughs> lights out three point shooter, like, and I guess uh, Paul Reed too, he mentions here. So like, there's all these guys who are safer, arguably than, than Poku. Um, and you're, but you're saying, so the upside with Poku is enough that maybe you would take him ahead of those, those safe players basically. Is that fair? Yeah, because everyone's looking for, you know, the next unicorn and like, you know, Vassell, I think he's good. I don't really think his, you know, Hollinger actually pointed this out and whether or not the release is is suitable for high, uh, for a high three point rate. And I've been saying for a couple months now that I don't really think it is. Okay. Um, Yeah. You haven't been high on him. I I remember that. Like I I like, like, you know, I have him, I think 10th or something like that, which is, like it's fine. I just think the band in terms of the floor and the ceiling with him is a lot thinner. And the difference between the ceiling for Vassell versus Poku is like the difference there is massive. And a guy that everyone, you know, I think who you could potentially select over Poku 
aside from those, you know, top, you know, three players, I think maybe Okoro has that best chance of being, being that impact guy, because, you know, if the shot comes, then he definitely has the passing too. So those two guys, I think I would have above everybody else. I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if the Knicks took Okoro. That's just, yeah, I don't, I don't think they will. I feel like it's basically going to come down. And this is kind of why I wanted to structure the conversation this way. It's basically, if they get one of the top four picks, it's like we talked about, I, it's, you know, they're going to hope that they wind up with Ball, Hayes, or Anthony Edwards, and and I think that's it. They just they they pick one of those guys, um, you know. And can I, can I actually just add one more thing about please? Goku? Yeah, um, <laughs> you love like, this you guy. Know, I love it that you love this guy so much. <laughs> I do. So you know, on Schwinn's podcast, he asked me about comparing him to KP, and KP. Was not as skilled as Poku is at the same age, nor is he as skilled as Poku is now. So, you know, KP is obviously a little bit bigger. You know, the shot is, I mean, I think it's still pretty inconsistent and the rim protection is there. But in terms of like ceiling, Poku's ceiling is again much, much, much higher than KP's. And that is like you, you are putting that out there, man. Talk about balls. You were the one with the balls. Yeah, I mean, obviously there is a question of whether or not he's going to hit it, but just like pure skill level and everything he can do, like you don't see KP, you know, making passes in the short roll. You don't see no. KP running off double floppies. You don't see you don't see you know, KP, KP passing periods. So. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I don't have to say you don't, you don't really see him running the pick and roll as a ball handler then. No. Um, yeah, Poku, I just think is obscenely skilled, and it like it would just kind of be stupid to not take him this year if you're not planning on I mean look going back to the Knicks so the Knicks need talent everybody knows that next year the Knicks you know Cade very good draft all that stuff if they miss on poker if he takes a couple years to develop okay they have another pick next year oh well that that shouldn't even be a factor in their discussion when it happens if it who cares about when it happens if it if it's gonna happen that's all that matters I don't care if it takes two three years I'm just saying that like they have some time because like there, no one's expecting them to make the playoffs even next year, you know, let alone you know win a series. So if they can draft someone who has that ceiling and then get another pick next year, it, it's what uh, what's it called? It's what Presti did in OKC. So, and again, we're I don't want to cross the streams here, but it's it's still why whether it's via you know um, amnesty clause and picking up uh, off of, I guess, would be waivers. Um, like Jeremy Cohen wrote about the possibility that the NBA does this morning in the newsletter, or more likely they trade for him. I, I still think they're going to kick the tires on Chris Paul, as insane as some people may find that, um, just because I don't, I don't think they are going to be okay with, with, with sucking next year. Um, which I guess that's maybe not exactly related to what you're saying, but it, it kind of is. Um, I mean, if you draft Chris Paul, that's just another reason to draft Poku. You mean if you uh, like, trade for Chris Paul? Yeah. Sorry, if, yeah. If you trade for Chris Paul, it's another reason to draft Poku because you can't find a better ball handler, passer, you know, someone who can get guys good shots like Poku. Sorry, like Chris Paul can. And in terms of like developing the work ethic and that winning attitude, I think Paul would be perfect. Just yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm in on trading for Paul if it doesn't cost too much. Um, and I don't think it would. I'm only because I still don't think that they are going to they're going to tank. But okay, so here's now here's where I really want to. This is where we're gonna have, have a little bit of fun, and we'll we'll get you out of here. Um, okay, if they get again, I keep saying if they get a top four pick, if they get a top four pick, and they draft Killian Hayes or um uh, Lamelo Ball. I, I see there being a, an easier road to not trading for Paul. Although I think you can make the argument that having Paul mentoring a guy like Hayes or a guy like um, Ball would would make sense. Um, I think it, it's just I think it would be an easier sell um, to be like we got this point guard at the top of the draft. We're going to let him learn on the job and give him the ball to to do so and make that whole thing. That'd be great. Assuming that doesn't happen, 
and they draft at whatever it is, seven or eight or nine, which I think those are the three spots that they would potentially draft in. I think they could fall technically as far as 10 if, and we're assuming the record stays the same, whatever. Somewhere in that later half of the top, um, top 10. If they, it's going to be basically, do we take a guy like Poku or maybe Denny who, um, you know, Hollinger has ranked pretty low. I, I think maybe, or maybe top in if he falls or, are we going to take one of the point guards who are there at that point? And that's Cole Anthony. It maybe is Halliburton and it maybe is going to be um, you. I noticed you'd say Kyra, Kyra Lewis. Yeah. I mean, that's what I've been told his name is. Okay. Maybe that's wrong, but I, I, that's why you, yeah, I don't know. We'll just say Lewis. Lewis. <laughs> yes. Of Alabama. Um, and, so I, I think I've asked you this before, but I think it's a the, the good a right place to start this conversation this this last part of the conversation, which is in your mind, do any of those three guys have the ceiling that warrants passing up a possibly a higher upside prospect overall, like a Boku, like a Denny, um, like again. Potentially, maybe like a top end, even though we, you know, both have our significant issues with him. Considering specifically the the like the the fact that that is a position of need for the Knicks, and should that even factor into the conversation? I, I just throw a lot out at you, but like, where would you be at? It's if you're the Knicks, you're picking, let's say eighth, and like those are your point guard options. I'm taking Poku above all three of them. Okay. Um, I'm taking all three. I'm taking Cole and Kyra. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Fuck it. I'm taking all three of those guys above Toppin also, I think. And then I think Denny, it would be pretty close between them. Um, By the way, Denny, I, I told you, I texted you this, that I, he's the other guy I watched um significant amount of film. I... I don't know, man. I came away pretty impressed. I know the shooting numbers are 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 what they are, and I guess that's the reason he's kind of maybe will fall. But like, I don't know. He kind of looks the part to me. Am I am I am, am I way off there? No, I mean he, he's a he's a combo forward. He's skilled. He can pass really well, and it really just comes down to the shooting. And if you buy the shot, you're going to be higher on him. And I. Think like and not. I think like I personally buy the shot. Um, if you don't, you're going to be lower. And so the people who say he's not a good defender, I ask what games have you been watching because that's not true. Um, I, I love the way he moves on defense. Yeah, and then just like on top of that, like you know, I was speaking with someone. Well, I mean, I speak with him actually pretty often, but um, we used to work for a team. He's high up, and he's like the things that you bank on. It's exactly what I was saying before. You bank on the skills, and then you bank on IQ also. And I think Denny, on top of having, you know, the skills that are especially important for, you know, not that primary or maybe that secondary, but for that third option, you know, the, for the fourth connecting piece, um, he has that. And then in terms of IQ, he's just a smart player. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I If they if they have an opportunity to draft him at like the second half of the top 10 and they don't take him, I, I don't know. I'd be I'd probably be pretty upset. Um, okay. So that leaves Kyra, Cole, Anthony and Halliburton. And it's just like, I'm like envisioning a year where one of those guys is starting next season for the Knicks. And it's like, okay, it's an investment in a young point guard who could maybe do some stuff. And then, but the whole time you're wondering like, is this investment worth it? Um, and maybe it is if it leads to losses and in a high draft pick in 2021. Um, but in terms of, a, in, and maybe, but that's not how we should be thinking about this in terms of like an investment in a player that could be something for you to build around. I, I w- let's start with Cole Anthony. Cause clearly they're interested. Clearly they value a guy Anybody who they who is going to be a significant part of the organization, they clearly put like weight in. Like, can this person handle New York? Can they handle everything that comes with being a member of the Knicks? 
Um, it matters to them. It's going to matter to them in their coaching decision. I think it mattered to them with RJ. Um, and I think it'll matter to them to a certain extent with this pick. Um, and I think, you know, the fact that Cole Anthony's dad obviously was Greg Anthony. That's there. I, are we being unfair? Let's let's end it with this. Are we being unfair with Cole Anthony's um, with lowering his ceiling to a certain point? Uh, hmm. What do you mean? I mean, as as and Hollinger's not the only person who says this, so I'm not just going off of him. As someone who's like, he does not have what it takes to be a top level starting point guard in the league. He's a bench guy. He doesn't have the playmaking that it takes to be an elite point guard. When you factor in the fact that the shot is not like a top level shot. It's like, he's not, he's not upper echelon at any one thing to be a good starting point guard in the league. Like the shot is an upper level. The, um, well, he does, you know, all that stuff. He, I mean, even getting to the line, he got to the line 5.8 times a game this year. Like that's good, but, you know, well, what was his free throw rate though? Wasn't it around 0. 0.4 or something? Um, uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I know he got there. Um, yeah, five it? point. No, it was under 0. 0.4. What was it? 0. 0.371. Yeah. So honestly, stuff like that. Or so first of all, I mean, the shot I think is actually good. Like I, I think it's, I think it's definitely starting level in terms of on and off ball. Um, the free throw rate, like part of that could have been low, A, because there was just no reason to foul him when you already had five guys standing in the paint anyway. So, you know, you probably just told all your bigs to stay down because he's attacking clogged paint. But, I mean, he, he doesn't have the playmaking of, you know, Chris Paul or, you know, John Wall or... Goes without saying. You know, yeah, but I don't think he's some trash point guard who has no potential to start like you know versatility kills so whether that's you know a six eight wing who can do it all or six eleven whatever poku is um <laughs> like th- that's how you win and cole he obviously doesn't have the physical stature that those guys have but from your point guard you want someone at least in my opinion who can you know, play on ball and play off ball. I think that's obviously incredibly important. And then I think he can pass maybe not 10 out of 10, but you know, seven out of 10, just someone who can make basic reads. And maybe that in and of itself isn't something that's going to really, you know, really bring the ceiling of a team up unless if the shooting really goes up. But Next to someone like RJ, who I assume the Knicks will be running a lot of their offense through, you want a guard who can run off screens. You want, or, you know, hopefully you want someone who can run off screens. So, although I would still take LaMelo first overall. Um, As would I. But I think, yeah, I I think Cole fits with the Knicks on offense if they plan on doing that. And then, you know, obviously, as you were saying, handling New York and his father, I mean, his father being with the Knicks, I don't think should matter, but the idea that he's been in you know, the limelight for many years. So is RJ, like, you know, this, they had the same physical makeup, not physical makeup, mental makeup. Yeah. Um, I think that's definitely a good thing. I, I can easily envision a scenario where he's a starting point, right? I don't know why. Well, and like maybe I'm maybe I'm being unfair, but that's that's just the that's like I I read all this draft stuff, and I feel like yeah. the consensus at this point is like he's going to wind up a good bench guy. Um, so I mean, like even Jacob Goldstein, who like I think all the work he does is incredible, and I couldn't do any of it. Um, but like he put out his first uh, board, you know, with, with the analytics and stuff like that. And I think he had Cole somewhere around 27 and. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Like that's kind of, that's where it goes to like, you need the numbers and the film because maybe on pure numbers, he's a late first round talent because, you know, he obviously didn't shoot well or didn't finish well, you know, turnovers, all that stuff. But then you actually watch the film and you're like, Oh, so you're telling me, Every time he was attacking the paint, there were four people there or that the defense just keyed in on him because aside from him, the team shot 28% from three. That's insane, by the way. That is 
insane. Yeah. Um, God, good job, Roy Williams. Keep, <laughs> keep, keep getting them checks. Um, yeah. I know they had injuries. I, maybe that's unfair of me, but whatever. I mean, I don't even think the injuries did anything. It was just like the offense. They played with two, you know, fives with a small forward who I like. <laughs> I like Leaky Black a lot. He just can't shoot for shit. Yeah. Um, Which they kind of needed. Um, I apologize for cursing so much on this one, by the way. Um, I mean, we may not be the posting and toasting show, but cursing is still uh, allowed and uh, strongly encouraged. Um, okay, so this this was the other secret purpose of this podcast is to basically get me comfortable with if this draft ends up with them. Look, I'm I'm here for Poco as much as you are. I just like you want to talk about something that would floor me, floor me. It would floor me if they took him with their lottery pick. It'd be a step in the right direction, which is what you've been saying, you know, to me all this time, right? Like I, you want something that's going to buck the trend of everything um, I've been doing for the last 20 years. I'm a broken record at this point, which is why I don't, I, it's like, I don't want to waste my breath. But so again, putting that possibility aside, like I'm, I'm preparing myself for the fact that they don't move up in the draft. They stay at whatever eight and um, they take Cole Anthony. I guess you know it's 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 going to be poked fun at, um, but maybe we should be comfortable with that um, if that's the outcome. I, I don't think they're going to take Halliburton. Like I told you, I just I I I just don't I don't see them taking the guy because he to me is the safer play with the uh, what'd you call it the band the floor ceiling bandwidth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me it's it's. It's lower for him. It, it, is that fair? Yeah, yeah, for both. Yeah, um, you, yeah, exactly. And then the other guy is is Lewis, um, who again, I, I, he's the guy I want to watch some some games of next because he's the other guy who's like besides Poku, he's like the real high riser in the draft. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about him. Um, and I, I guess if him and Cole Anthony were staring at the Knicks at eight and they were kind of like not comfortable taking a Poku and let's just say for argument's sake, Denny was gone. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I'd be surprised if they, I don't know. I, I don't know which, I, maybe, the, I don't know. Who knows? But where, where are you, let's end with that. Where are you on Lewis? I have him above Cole. And why is that primarily? What is what is the thing that you are more excited about with Lewis than you are with Cole Anthony? Um, what is? I mean, there's no real single thing. It's, I mean, first of all, he's I think like a year and a half younger, yeah, or a year younger than Cole. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, if it's a single thing, it would just be the pure speed that he has. He is a, he's like a one cut running back. He's not gonna. You know, he's not job piecing together eight moves and, you know, being slippery and all that, or he's not, um, you know, Lamella, who's a little more herky jerky or like Tyler Harrow. He's a takes the screen and then boom, he's gone. And how's, his, how's his finishing? It's not great. Um, <laughs> I love, but, I love when you get, when you know what answer I'm looking for and you don't want to give it to me. <laughs> so, well, the reason make. I was like, the reason I'm like hesitant to say that is because like coach Oates wanted him to attack the pain. He felt more comfortable with him attacking the pain instead of pulling up for the mid range jump shots, um, which brought down the, the finishing because he had some open looks from, you know, 15, 16 that he can make that he would end up saying no to because, you know, Oates is telling him go to the paint. Um, so, I mean, the finishing's not great. He's, he's I think it's better than what what it, what he's shown. Uh, just you know, the coaching kind of messes things up a little bit, and he also has to get stronger, obviously. But like the passing, it's not great. I think he's a better passer than Cole. I think that's pretty clear in terms of the passes he can make. He makes beautiful whip passes with either hand, like live action downhill. It's awesome. And then um, when you're as fast as he is getting into the paint, the reads that you make don't have to be elite. Like Russell Westbrook. He's not an elite passer in terms of vision or the stuff that he sees. What he excels and excelled at, you know, he was the primary option OKC, was full on getting into the paint, collapsing the defense, and then, you know, making a drop off to Steven Adams or kicking it out to, you know, Roberson for three or something like that. So 
Kyra can do that. And I think, you know, he's not going to make those crazy reads again, but he'll get guys good looks. Um, and I'm just, I'm betting on someone who, who shot as well as he did, especially I think in the second half of the season. Um, he's a smart pick and roll defender. He has to get stronger. And, you know, the passing, he's another guy that fit actually on and off ball with RJ. Oh, you just reminded me of something. That's the other thing. I, I'm not, I'm really not in love with Cole Anthony's defense. Um, right yeah. now. I mean, the, the, we have some flashes, uh, in team defense, I thought especially, but like, it was either he was 100% focused or he just wasn't there. And 100% focused was not something that happened very often. And his footwork at the point of attack was more missed than hit. Yeah, but even uh, like the beginning, I told you I was watching the Duke game before. The, like, you're never yeah. going to get a guy who's more focused than for UNC Duke. And like, yeah, one of the first plays of the game, he was just like flat beat, um, like off the dribble. And then he was like badly beat on pick and roll coverage a few plays after that. It's. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I. I is okay. I, I I always say we're gonna finish, and I always think of something else. Is is fin- is finish? I know we both have so much to do. I actually is my wife putting my daughter to bed right now. She they've she was is no longer cutting grass. For those of you at home wondering if my daughter has been cutting grass this whole time, she's no longer cutting grass. She's somewhere upstairs. I think with my wife. Uh, maybe they're she's giving her a bath. I don't know. Um. Is is in the in the um pantheon of or or uh all the different skills you could possibly have as a basketball player is finishing like the ability to improve one's finishing is that something very likely that you could improve with work or would you consider that something on the lower end of something that you could improve with work i think it improves um maybe you know you don't become some acrobatic finisher but I think there are definitely ways of just improving finishing overall, whether it's, you know, taking a better angle or learning how to use your body a little bit more. Um, I think it's, I think it's definitely, you know, improvable. And the Knicks saw like, you know, we saw it with RJ, right. And that improved a lot with spacing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm thinking of it like, What's the one plus thing the Knicks have on their roster? They have a guy that you could throw it up to the ceiling and he will go up to the ceiling and he will catch it and he will dunk it. And if you have a blazing point guard who can and and you surround that blazing point guard and that seven foot monster with three shooters, which will leave Julius Randle and RJ Barrett out of this conversation for the moment, um, although we both think RJ will become a better shooter, but for argument's sake, like you surround those two guys with shooting and the, the little guy, that's an offense by itself. Exactly. Yeah. And, Um, and, and if you could, and if the defenses respect Lewis is finishing enough to the point that they're, they're going to hedge off of Robinson. If he could blow past pick and rolls up at the top of the key, like that's an offense, right? Yeah. Yeah, like that's something that I would feel super comfortable running against like bench units for extended periods of time. Yeah, um, that's a start. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a start. Um, okay, I think it's amazing. I think this is our fourth draft conversation. We always manage to come up with something new, I think. Or maybe we're just talking about the same thing and I forgot. I, I don't know. Um, I... I was the one asking the questions here and usually I let you give you a chance to like vamp on anything we didn't get to. Is there anything you want to touch on before we get out of here? Uh, I mean, draft related. I don't think so. Just <laughs> anything, anything life related. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, any, any gardening tips you want to give the folks at home? Uh, no, but apparently when I was young, I used to, uh, this is like when I was in elementary school, apparently I would enjoy arranging flowers and either like my mom or something like that, or my, like one of my elementary school teachers thought I could become a botanist. <laughs> I certainly did not know what a botanist was when I was that age. Um, but that's, did I. that's great. That's awesome. I mean, I, I imagine that's probably a, a happy life. Botanist. Yeah. I mean, I guess, and now, you know, I'm planning the wedding and like Ash is like, what flowers 
Jerry thinking about. I'm like, you can pick what you want and I'll be happy with it because, you know, <laughs> I don't really Because you're, you're, you're not a botanist. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why. That's why you said that. Yeah. Um, update. My, my daughter and wife are downstairs now and my daughter is eating an ice cream cone because it's Thursday and why not, I guess. Um, looks delicious though. Um, and now my wife, I'm, I'm just going to keep giving play by play. My wife has taken out a waffle. Is that for you or her? Oh, you're having a waffle for dinner. Okay. That's exciting. <laughs> so this is the things that we, that we, we talk about in quarantine at the Macri household. Um, yeah, I don't have anything else for you. Um, I suppose, I suppose maybe at some point we'll do a, um, well, let's, let's, they're going to have the draft lottery at some point. So, you know. Maybe that'll yeah. be the next time we we get on, and actually uh, we we know what pick the Knicks are going to have. Um, that'll be exciting. Um, yeah, it'll be the most basketball action we've had in a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say this: I am. I did not think I would get to a point where I would be rooting hard for them to get a top pick, but I kind of am now. Because, like, as this as this Poku aside, and I know we're you're legitimately excited about him, but like, um. It would just be a hell of a lot easier if they could just take Lamella Ball and be done with it, mm-hmm. or or Hayes. I mean, if that's your if that's your cup of tea, but I think Lamella that would be that would be cool. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, Spencer, you've outdone yourself yet again. Um, you want to tell the good folks at home where they could find you? Yes, you can find me at uh, SK Perlman on Twitter and I also write stuff for the Stepian, but I've been swamped with my job and side projects. So uh, that's been put on hold, but everybody stay safe, please. That is something I don't emphasize nearly enough. Uh, Please stay safe. Don't, don't go protest um, because your local nail salon is still closed. Let's, let's all, let's all work together to, you know, be sane. And yeah, that's about all I have too. Um, all right, Spencer, you're the man. Uh, everybody at home, thank you for listening to another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. We will be back with you with another episode before you know it, I'm sure. All right, talk to you soon. Giddy up. Giddy up.